Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. And I pray that you'd open this prophet up to us, that we could understand how all of this applies to us today as your people here in London. Thank you that you are a God that even when you speak strong words about your people, even when you pronounce judgment against things that we may have done, at the same time you are gracious and merciful, desiring that your people walk in faithfulness to you. And I pray, Father, that uh, your spirit would be poured out on your church in London, that there would be a renewed faithfulness in their walk with Jesus and a renewed passion to see Jesus magnified all across this city and throughout the nations. And now, Father, I pray that you strengthen my voice and strengthen my body and let your Holy Spirit rest upon me to bring your word to your people today through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. When Ephraim spoke, there was trembling. He was exalted in Israel, but he incurred guilt through Baal and died. And now they sin more and more and make for themselves metal images, idols skillfully made of their silver, all of them the work of craftsmen. It is said of them, those who offer human sacrifice kiss calves, Therefore they shall be like the morning mist or like the dew that goes early away, like the chaff that swirls from the threshing floor or like smoke from a window. But I am the Lord your God from the land of Egypt. You know no God but me, and besides me there is no Savior. It was I who knew you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. But when they had grazed, they became full. They were filled and their heart was lifted up. Therefore they forgot me. So I am to them like a lion. Like a leopard, I will lurk beside the way. I will fall upon them like a bear robbed of her cubs. I will tear open their breast, and there I will devour them like a lion, as a wild beast would rip them open. He destroys you, O Israel, for you are against me, against your helper. Where now is your king to save you in all your cities? Where are your rulers, those of whom you said, Give me a king and princes? I gave you a king in my anger. And I took him away in my wrath. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is kept in store. The pangs of childbirth come for him, but he is an unwise son. For at the right time he does not present himself at the opening of the womb. Shall I ransom them from the power of Sheol? Shall I redeem them from death? O death, where are your plagues? O Sheol, where is your sting? Compassion is hidden from my eyes. Though he may flourish among his brothers, the east wind, the wind of the Lord shall come, rising from the wilderness, and his foundation shall, and his fountain shall dry up. His spring shall be parched, it shall strip his treasury of every precious thing. Samaria shall bear her guilt, because she has rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword, their little ones shall be dashed in pieces, and their pregnant women ripped open. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us, we will not ride on horses, and we will say no more our God to the work of our hands. In you the orphan finds mercy." I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely. For my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. 
He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive and his fragrance like Lebanon. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I was having a conversation uh, recently with a, a friend of mine. I won't tell you whether he's here, there, or everywhere. It wasn't God, uh, so he's obviously not everywhere. But I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who has just uh, moved into a new home, a uh, slightly smaller home than the one he had. Uh, and he was sharing with me that he didn't really understand at first why he was moving. But after he moved, as he went into a time of prayer, the Lord revealed to him how his house had become an idol in his life. Well, it's interesting because for a lot of his life, he saw this house as an answer to prayer. And it was only after he released the house in obedience to the Lord that the Lord showed him how the house had become an idol. And this is a guy who loves Jesus, who sought to walk with the Lord in his life, and yet he found himself slipping subtly into idolatry. Now, idolatry, the way I define idolatry is an idol is anything other than God to which we look to for our identity, our significance, our security, or our acceptance. Anything that you get your identity, significance, security, or acceptance from other than God becomes an idol to you. So if you think you're secure because you have a big bank account, that bank account has just become an idol. If you think you're accepted because you're a nice person and you treat others in a nice way, those other people have become idols to you. And idolatry is a serious issue to God. In fact, when we look throughout this entire uh, book of Hosea, Hosea is speaking to the people of God about their idolatry, about the things that they have looked to in their lives for which, in which they found their significance, their security, and their acceptance. Their princes, their rulers, the fact that they were uh, the chosen people, the fact that they were a nation under God, so to speak. All of these things and more actually became an idol to them, and they stopped walking with the Lord in faithfulness. And so God brought correction to them, and brought, God brought challenge to them repeatedly, and we've read some very strong words here. But interestingly, as we've read through Hosea, we see time after time after time where God used the words of Hosea to prophesy the coming of Jesus. We even see that in the passage we read today. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, where, O death, is your sting? This is quoted by Paul, this idea here that uh, eventually death is defeated, sin is defeated, sin is broken in the cross of Christ was being predicted here by the prophet Hosea uh, over a thousand years before Jesus was to come. 
And so God, even in His words of challenge and calling people back to faithfulness to Him, point people to the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, we know that Jesus has come. We see Jesus. We know that Jesus died on the cross and He rose bodily from the dead and He is our salvation and He is our hope. And we as the people of God, we see that. Yet, as my friend discovered, even those today who walk with Jesus Christ can easily and quickly fall into idolatry. And many times our churches do that. You know, if we suddenly think that if we have a a new website, and if we have a good website, then people are going to come to our church because we have a new website, there's a danger that that website could become an idol. If we think it's a style of worship that we have to do, or a particular instrument that we have to use in worship, that easily can become an idol. Our church denominations uh, our even, even our own church can become an idol. Our families can become an idol. Many, many things in our lives can become idols. And God calls His people to faithfulness and says, no, there is no God but Me. There is no Savior but Me. And you have to trust in Me alone. But this is not new for us. Throughout history, we see time after time after time where the church of Jesus Christ has fallen into idolatry of one sort or another and God speaks to the church and begins to call the church back. Calls the church and says, return, return, come back. And that's echoing the very thing that Hosea is saying. And I think that we are in a a season, particularly in terms of the church in the West, I wouldn't say that about the global church because there's many places around the world where the church is not walking in idolatry. They're walking in faithfulness to God and we see that in the way the church is growing and flourishing and and thriving. But certainly for the church here in the West, I think we are entering a season where God is saying and has been saying, return, return, return. And God is calling us and challenging us to return. And that return always means to repent. You know, if, you, if you're going to return to the Lord, it means that you have to acknowledge that you're going in the wrong direction or you're going away from Him, and then change your direction to go back to Him. And repentance is the same thing. It's saying, God, I've sinned, I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing, I'm not going in the right way, and I want to turn back. I want to turn back. I want to have a change. But notice that the return here, the challenge to return, is not, uh, in in this situation, is a challenge to return because of our iniquity. Now this word iniquity, as we've said, is a special word for sin in the Old Testament. It differs from a number of other words in that iniquity is all about being twisted or broken. And you might say that iniquity is wrongful behavior that comes from the twistedness and brokenness of life. When somebody says, well, this is the way my family behaved, and I I have this in my own life, this sin tendency in my own life, and I've struggled against it, what they're talking about is iniquity. They're talking about a behavior or a set of behaviors that come out of the brokenness there the twistedness of life that need to be corrected by God. And this is especially the focus of Hosea. 
Yes, the people have fallen into idolatry, but a lot of the idolatry was because of their twistedness, their brokenness, not because they set out to say, we're going to worship whatever God we please. Pardon me. But because they simply began to fall into these broken patterns of behavior. And God says, okay, you've wandered away. You're not faithful. But now it's time to return. Now it's time to return. Now it's time to say, he says, you know, uh, take away all my iniquity. Accept what is good. We will live for you. We will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. They're saying that we're going to have our life live what we say. We know that Assyria can't save us. We're not going to ride on horses and we are not going to say any more our God to the work of our hands. Notice what they're doing here. They're just surrendering to the Lord. Take away all of our brokenness. Accept what is good in us. Let us walk with integrity here. And let us not trust in any other God but you. Because in you, the orphan finds mercy. It's one of the most powerful things that I see as I traveled around Europe. Uh, these last few months, but really even the last 10 years or so, the number of people who don't have spiritual fathers. There's a lot of leaders out there. There's a lot of great leaders out there. But there are a lot of people in the church, in the West, who do not have spiritual fathers, who do not have men and women who are looking over their lives, who are seeking to love them, to encourage them, and to release them into ministry. And it's a season, I think, as we return to the Lord, as we go back to the Lord, that the Lord is going to start to restore spiritual fathers. And then as we return, we return with confidence. We return with faith. We return knowing that our God is a God of compassion. God will say hard things to us from time to time. But when He does, it's always for the purpose of turning us back to Him. He doesn't speak in order to condemn us. He speaks in order to free us from condemnation and allow us to walk in the fullness of who we are in Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so beautiful that the way God ends this prophecy through Hosea, as God ends all hard prophecies with a word of blessing, a word of promise that His people can hold on to. He says, I will heal their apostasy. There's a lot of apostasy even in the body of Christ today. And I think the promise of God is He's going to heal that apostasy. I will love them freely for my anger has turned from them. In the cross of Christ, Jesus bore all the wrath that we deserve for our sins. The anger of God has turned away from His people and He loves us freely. It's astounding to me how I travel around and so many people don't think that God loves us freely. They think that God only loves me when I pray enough or God only loves me when I work hard enough or God only loves me when I lead enough, people to, uh, lead enough uh, numbers of people to Jesus. But that's not the message that God gives to them. And God says, I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive. And his fragrance 
like Lebanon. There's a fruitfulness that God is going to be bringing to his people in this season as we return to him. And they shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. That's such a beautiful promise for what God desires to accomplish in his people in this season that we're entering into as his people return. And I think we have begun to see this starting to spring up in Europe and we are going to see it more and more and more. But we need to understand, O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who, look, who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. And in this season, we need to understand that nothing is coming because of our hard work. Nothing is coming because of our great effort. Everything comes by the blessing of God on his people. I believe the season is upon us when we are going to see the people of God all across Europe begin to walk with God in a renewed faithfulness. Those who have wandered away, we're going to see, begin to come back. And Jesus is going to be magnified in God's people here in Europe because the ways of the Lord are right and he will achieve all of this. So let us return to the Lord with our whole heart, knowing that God loves us freely and knowing that in Jesus Christ, we have life to the full. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you that even as you challenge your people in their faithlessness, in their iniquity, you always speak words of hope and promise and encouragement. And I thank you for those words of hope and promise and encouragement. And I pray, Lord God, that this would be magnified in us, this would be magnified around Europe, that we would see the fulfillment of your promises to your people, that we would see your church rise up in power and boldness, that we would see Jesus Christ exalted, that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus taught us to pray. We have confidence in you because you are our God, that we will see afresh and anew the manifestation of your presence and your love. And we look forward to it. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.